Yes, we are free. We are free indeed. All because of what Christ did for us and the raising of his resurrection from the dead. This message that we're looking at this morning is a great message. It is a fun message. So, I, as Matt said, I've preached on his burial and his crucifixion, and man, this is a fun one, I'm telling you. There's a little bit of stuff in it that's not so much fun, but the majority of this is really fun. And I want to start out kind of with a fun story, something you guys can kind of laugh at me about, because, you know, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But the question that I have is that if you ever lost anything, that my name is Scott Johnson, by the way. There's a lot of new people here, so you don't know me. But I'm Scott Johnson. I'm on the teaching team here at uh, Calvary. So I'm so glad to have all of you here, by the way. I don't want to forget to say that. So grateful to have everyone here this morning. But anyway, have you ever lost anything that you really wished you hadn't lost? That you looked for it and you couldn't find it and... Man, you were just really distraught. Well, in our family, and my wife is going to laugh at this, but I am notorious for losing things, especially like my wallet. And so there was one particular time, a long time ago, when I used to travel for a living uh, before we went into ministry. And I had one particular place I was going. I don't remember exactly where I was going, but I think it was Alaska for work and it was in a couple of days well I was out playing golf with some friends of mine and I took the wallet out of my pants pocket and I put it into my golf bag that's what I always did I never had a problem finding it afterwards well we played you know and it went about as horribly as it always did for me when I played golf which is why I probably don't play now because they you know ban me in most courses in America but um, I'm not very good, let's just say that. <laughs> but anyway, after, the, after playing golf, I reached into my bag to get my wallet, and I couldn't find it. And I looked in every pocket in my bag, which wasn't that many, and I couldn't find it. I took all the balls out of the bag, all the tees out of the bag. I, I reached in there. I could not find my wallet. It was lost. And I was distraught because, again, in two days, I was heading off for work. And then there was my driver's license, my credit card that my company gave me to be able to pay for hotels, rental cars, and things that you need when you travel. And so I was, like, really upset. Really, really, really upset. Well, I got all those things replaced, and I went on the trip. And a couple weeks later, I was playing golf again. And I went into my bag to grab a ball for the day, one of many that I was going to have to grab out of the bag to play. And guess what fell out? My wallet. Yeah. Well, the story that we're looking at today, to me that was a lot funnier than it was to you, but it wasn't funny at the time, I will admit to that. But you may have a story like that in your life. But the story and the passage that we're looking at today in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18, is a story of Mary Magdalene. And she is still at the tomb. She is still at the tomb. And she thinks that she has lost Jesus, that she can't find him. And she is distraught. She is really distraught. And before we get started, really getting into this passage, though, 
You know, I wanted to make a clarification about Mary Magdalene and her life and maybe how she has been portrayed over time. Some people think that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Some people think that Mary Magdalene was the woman who, uh, the sinful woman who uh, brushed her hair on Jesus' feet. And I just want to clarify that that is not what Scripture says of Mary Magdalene. It doesn't say anything about, all about her being a prostitute or the sinful woman at Jesus' feet. In fact, she's not even introduced in the book of Luke until after the story of the sinful woman. In fact, Mary Magdalene was a woman of means. She actually was a supporter of Jesus' ministry. When we read here in Luke chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, Luke introduces Mary Magdalene this way. Soon afterwards, he, Jesus, went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had, who, had heal, who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, who had seven demons gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, and Herod's household manager. And Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their means. So not only was Mary Magdalene, now we do know the, the, the thing about Mary Magdalene, that she, did, she was possessed by seven demons. And Jesus had taken those seven demons out of her. He had cast them out. So that part is true. But she was a woman of means, and she actually was a supporter. She is a very important person in the life of Jesus and his ministry while he was on earth. I just wanted to take that and just clear that up because I'll be honest with you, I have had uh, wrong inclinations of Mary Magdalene in my life. And actually, as I was getting ready to preach this message, I have to be almost embarrassed to tell you that um, I was talking with Pastor Matt, and I proclaimed her incorrectly, and the Holy Spirit told me, I think you should probably do some investigation on Mary Magdalene and see what I really say about her. And so I did. And so I, if I'm doing that, I figured maybe somebody else might be too, so I just wanted to clarify that. But she was a sinner, just like all of us. And Jesus did cast seven evil spirits from her. And now that we know a little bit more about Mary Magdalene, now we can really look into the passage because I think having a good picture of who she is actually makes her encounter with Jesus even more compelling and beautiful. Let's read today's passage together. We're looking at John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. Let's read that together. Starting in verse 11. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she, went, as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, 
Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, for the story of Mary Magdalene and her encounter with you. Lord, I pray that this morning that we would take from this word, Lord, the things that we need to take and apply them into our lives, Lord, that you would speak through your word, through me, Lord, into the hearts of us, Lord, including my own. Lord, that these would be your words, that you would open our minds and our hearts to hear what it is that you have to say this morning. And we just ask for your blessing today in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mary is at the tomb, right? She's at the tomb. And as Matt said last week, you know, even those that were close to Jesus at this time, even though he has been raised from the dead, they still did not actually believe that he was. They still, no one has actually seen him alive yet. And so they just have seen the empty tomb. There is no sign of him. They don't know where he is. And they have left. But Mary is still there, and she is weeping. She is distraught. She is just emotionally encompassed with weeping and crying. As it says here in verse 11, Mary has stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. She's weeping because Jesus has died. And not only now has he died, but now he's lost. His body is not to be found, and she doesn't know where he is. She has no inclination, at least from what Scripture is telling us right here, that she's even thinking that he had been risen from the dead. Like that hadn't even come into her mind. That he had been taken or stolen, but not risen in glory. And then she stoops into the tomb. And what a sight she sees. What a sight she sees. She sees two angels in white sitting on the bench where Jesus would have been laid. One at his head, one at his feet. And in verse 13, the angels ask Mary, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? Mary replies again in, in unbelief. It appears again that she's not even considering that Jesus had been raised. And she immediately answers the angels, assuming that someone had taken Jesus' body from the tomb. And not only that, but she doesn't know where to find him. She has lost Jesus. Can you imagine? I only lost my wallet. And I was beside myself when I lost my wallet. It was as though my world had crumbled before me, and all I had lost was a credit card and a driver's license. Can you imagine losing Jesus? That had to be horrible. So when we put ourselves in, in Mary's place, how would we feel? And for us, it's easier because, because we know the entire story. We know that Jesus is soon to be found. We know that Jesus is risen. We know where the body is. We know that he is at the right hand of the Father right now. And we know that he is coming again. But Mary 
didn't have the benefit that we have. So if you were her, would you really believe at this particular point in time that Jesus had risen? When I was thinking through this passage, it reminded me of John chapter 11, verses 21 through 27. You know that passage where um, Jesus is on his way to raise Lazarus from the dead, and Martha confronts Jesus on his way. Martha says to Jesus and tells him that if he would have been there, Lazarus would not have died. But Jesus comforts Martha and said to her that her brother would rise again. But Martha didn't understand exactly what Jesus was saying. And then Jesus told Martha these amazing, beautiful words in 11, 25, and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? A question not just for Martha, but for all of us, really. Martha replied that she did, that she did believe him, that she did believe that Jesus was the Son of God coming into the world. But did she really, truly understand the reality of Jesus' words that he was the resurrection and the life? What that really meant at that particular time? Because that was weeks before Jesus was going to go to the cross. And so in the same way, could Mary truly understand that Jesus had really risen? Jesus had said so many times. But here she is in the reality of the situation. She was at the foot of the cross when Jesus died. She saw him take his last breaths. She saw the blood drip from his hands and his feet. She saw him say it was finished. She saw the spear drove into his side and the blood and the water spilling out from it. She was there. She she was with Joseph and Nicodemus when they buried Jesus and the stone was rolled into place. She knows where Jesus was buried. And in fairness to her, if I were her, I probably would have been just like her. So here is Mary. She's looking for Jesus, but she can't find him. She doesn't know where to look for him. She needs help. But I want to take one thing back here and just look at how she addresses the angels, how she addresses the angels and refers to Jesus. This is what she says. Mary said, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Did you catch that, what she said? how she refers to Jesus. That even though he was dead and lost to her in her eyes, she addresses Jesus as my Lord. My Lord. Through all of this, she has not lost her love and her faith in Jesus Christ. And just because it it appears that it hasn't gone the way that she thought it might go, Jesus was still her Lord. She did not, so we don't want to lose the beauty and the power of her reference to Jesus. This is important. My Lord, she said. So I ask us today, is Jesus our Lord 
even when things are not going our way, even when our prayers are answered no, when the pain won't go away, when the bank account remains in the negative, when tears are flowing from our eyes like rain, is Jesus enough for you? Is he enough for me? Even when things are not going well. This is the kind of faith that a true disciple of Jesus Christ must have. Jesus must be enough. He must remain your Lord, your Savior, your God, your King, no matter what. Whether there's good or there's bad. He is enough. Is he enough for you today and every day? Tim Keller, one of many of our favorite pastors that isn't here, <laughs> he said this, he said this, he said, you don't really know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Is that not true? Have you been in that position? Have you gotten to the point to where you're the end of yourself? And Jesus must be enough because that's, that's all you have. You have nowhere else to turn. I think a lot of us, before we come to Christ, that's where Jesus brings us to the point to where we're at the end of ourselves. And then he shows us, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the one. I am enough. I am enough. So even as it went badly for her, for Mary at this moment, she was still seeing Jesus as her Lord. And she did not stop her pursuit to find him. And that is a lesson for us today. That Jesus must be enough. John Calvin wrote, Faith brings a man empty to God, that he may be filled with the blessings of God. And this quote by Calvin is where Mary is right now. She is empty. Her Lord is dead. And his body is gone. She has lost him. Where is he? Someone please tell me where he is. And as we move now into verses 14 and 16, we will see that Mary is soon to be filled with the blessings of God. Starting in verse 14, it says, Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. We see in verse 14 that Mary turns around and she saw Jesus, but she didn't recognize who he was. Maybe her tears that she was weeping so hard that kept her from recognizing Jesus. Maybe it was the faint light of the dawn of the day. But there was something. There was something. She just could not make it out who he was. And as verse 15 says, Mary thought that Jesus was a gardener. 
Of course, Jesus' tomb was in a garden after all, so it wouldn't be unusual to find a gardener there. Then Jesus speaks, and he addresses Mary as woman. In this particular time, he did not use her name. It is as if he did not want Mary to recognize him at this particular moment. Jesus asks Mary why she is crying, just like the angels did. Why are you weeping, and, what, and whom are you seeking? As if Jesus didn't really know the answer to those questions, right? But Mary, still not recognizing Jesus, still not recognizing even his voice, pleads with Jesus to tell her where he has taken the body of her Lord so she can go get it. She is still distraught. Her emotions are just clouding her thoughts. And again, you know, who wouldn't be? But how she is not able to recognize Jesus is unknown. Unless Jesus did not want her to recognize him. You know, it's like the story of the road of the men on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. And we won't take time to read that entire story, but it's Luke 24, 13 through 31. So that's your homework for this week to go and read that. It's the story of two men who are walking after, the resurre- after uh, Jesus had died and is resurrected. And they were telling the story and Jesus is listening to them. And Jesus decides to join in with them. But they don't recognize that Jesus is standing there with them. And he hears them and he calls them fools. And he opens their minds and, they, and he tells them from the beginning of the law through the prophets at the Bible, the Old Testament at that time, told of him and explained that he, who Jesus was from the scriptures. And it wasn't until that they sat down to have a meal together and Jesus broke the bread and blessed it that they recognized who he was. And then he disappeared. And this story, the story on the road to Emmaus, is, is crazy and exciting and, and wonderful enough, but then this intimate, beautiful moment when Jesus allows Mary to see who he is is beautiful. I don't want us to miss this because Jesus says, Mary, her name, Mary. And immediately, Mary recognizes Jesus and says, Robam, Rob- I knew I would screw that up. Teacher, he said, teacher, we'll just go to that. <laughs> teacher, Rabboni, Rabbi, a proper name for Jesus. Can you imagine? Have you ever heard Jesus call out your name? Have you ever heard his call on your life? It's the good shepherd calling his sheep. By their name, and by their name, by his voice, they recognize who he is. Mary is being called out by the good shepherd, and he uses her name. And immediately, she recognizes his voice. John chapter 10 says this, we're starting in verse 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus is talking, 
He who does not enter the sheepfold, the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, and they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus said he is the good shepherd. He is the gatekeeper. He is the door that the sheep enter through. There is only one gateway in. There is only one good shepherd waiting. And there is only one voice a true believer knows and follows and obeys. And that's the voice of Jesus. We saw this again in John chapter 11 when Jesus called Lazarus by name. And only Lazarus came walking out of the tomb that he was in. He didn't call out all of the dead. Had he done so, all of the dead would have come out that were belonging to him. But no, because he's the good shepherd, he called Lazarus out by Lazarus' name, and Lazarus came forth. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And it was proven in that moment. Is proven here. He raised himself from the dead. Let us not forget the glory of that moment. Jesus had been standing there all the time as Mary was weeping, searching for him, hungering for him, his, her heart being distraught, thinking that he was lost. And all he said was, Mary. And she heard his voice. And she wanted to cling to him so bad. So has Jesus called out your name? Has Jesus revealed himself to you in the same way? Do you recognize the voice of your good shepherd, your Lord? Do you long to hear your name called by him? Do you long to have such a close, intimate relationship with Christ as Mary Magdalene did, as Lazarus did, as Peter, James, and John did, or any of the 11 that are left, or anyone here this morning who's one of the flock of Christ. If you have heard it, then are you in obedience to the calling of your name? Are you willing to hear his call and follow him wherever it is that he leads you? If you are a Christian, if you have heard Jesus call your name and you have answered him back, it is time to respond. If you have heard his call but have been putting it off by not answering him out of fear, out of laziness, out of selfish pride or any other particular reason, today is the day that you need to step out and recognize who he is and listen to his voice and cry out, teacher, Rabboni, and follow him. Ask him, what is it you want me to do?
Again, another example of this is Paul in Acts chapter 9 when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. When Jesus revealed himself to Paul, Paul asked him, Lord, what is it that you shall have me do? And of course, we know Paul was called to take the gospel to the Gentiles. A huge ministry to people whom Paul didn't even care to be around. And now he was going to be an evangelist and bring the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to them. Listen, if you think that God doesn't know where you're at, that you can hide from him and his voice and his calling, you're wrong. He knows that you're here this morning, right now. He knows that you're hearing me call you out right now. He is calling you out through me. There is no hiding from him. If he is calling you, he is calling you. And I guarantee you, you will respond. There is no denying the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you this too. As one who has heard his voice, has responded to his call, it's not always an easy life, but I will tell you, it is a life you want to pursue. You want to be in his fold. You want to be called one of his sheep. Because if you are not, if you are not a Christian, if you are not listening to his voice, if you are not longing to hear him call you out, eternity in hell is a really long time. We cannot save ourselves. We know that we're all sinners. All of us are. We all do say or think things that displease God. And we need to be healed. We need to be forgiven. And Christ did that as we've looked at ad nauseum, his work on the cross, his shedding of his blood that poured out for us so that we could have the forgiveness of sins. All we have to do is respond back to his call. And his grace will pour out on you just as it did Mary Magdalene in this passage. If you do not know how to become a Christian, if you're not sure that you are, then come and see me after service. Come and see Matt. Come and see someone. There's someone around you who loves Jesus, and we will help you. We will help you find your way. We will help you to hear his voice and respond. This takes us to the last two verses that we have. And this is the purpose of his calling that he had for Mary. Starting in verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. In verse 17, we, we can see that Mary must have wanted to cling to Jesus, and we don't know exactly how, but Jesus told her not to do so. He, said, he then said something that, is, that confused me for quite some time, but I read this from D.A. Carson, and he gives a really simple explanation of this, and so I'm going to 
share this with you, but he said that I have not yet ascended to my father. And that confused me for a long time. Does that mean that there's like two ascensions, that he's going to ascend again? And then we know later on in the book of Acts, 40 days after his resurrection, that he ascended to the father then. And D.A. Carson says, no, that's, that's not really the case at all. All he is really saying to Mary is that I haven't ascended yet. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere for a while. You do not need to cling to me like that. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not lost. You have found me. But we know that he is ascending. He is ascending. And I can understand, we can all understand what Mary's reaction would be to want to cling to Jesus, to hold on to him. When we find him as Christians, I mean, isn't it like us that once we find Jesus that we want to be around him all the time? We want to be in his word. We want to hear from him. We want to talk to him. We want to learn from him. He is all we want to talk about. And friends of ours kind of sometimes get sick of it. But too bad. And we want to be around Jesus. And that's part of the growing process. But there is more to it than that. There is more to our calling, our mission that Christ gives us when we come to him. This is the change here that, that Mary is seeing through the resurrection. Jesus is telling her that, yes, I am alive and I am ascending to my father and now your father, to my God and your God. We are allowed to be children of God, adopted in when we become Christians and we put our faith and trust in the resurrected Christ. We are adopted in. And God is our God. He is our Father. Jesus is our Lord, our King. And nothing can take that away. Because when you are adopted into the kingdom of God, you cannot be unadopted. You belong to him forever, for eternity. And as, as one adopted in, then you gain a share. You gain a full inheritance of his kingdom. So again, why would you not want to be a part of Christ's kingdom? Why would you ever reject him? And then in verse 18, Jesus tells Mary, to take this fantastic news that he is alive to the others. And she does, proclaiming that, that she has seen the risen Lord. And again, when we come to know the risen Lord and we make him ours and he, we become Christians and he calls our name, is not our tendency to want to go and proclaim that from the rooftops, to tell everyone we know that we have seen the risen Christ. You should see him. Jesus has called all of us to do this, to take this message of hope that we have been given and share it with others. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20 tells us, starting in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them 
in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you see? Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling us that we are to make disciples, to go make disciples, take this news, not sit here and just cling to him like nobody else can have him, but to bring the news to others so others can have him too. And if we're afraid that he's going somewhere, that he's going to leave us, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's not going anywhere. In fact, Acts 1.8 tells us this is right before he ascended, right before his ascension. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are his witnesses for him to tell others that he was once lost in our lives and yet we have found him and you have seen the risen Lord and you need to see him too. You need to hear his call. Sometimes the call is difficult. Sometimes it's not as difficult. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or a missionary or a business owner in a small community or an executive in a company or a housewife or a mom or a dad or a janitor, you name it. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you are a Christian, you are a witness of the risen Christ. We are called to obey Jesus' purpose, just as he had called Mary Magdalene, one who had poured out her resources to help his ministry move forward, one whom Jesus had called by name, Mary. We are to obey as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for this good word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the story of Mary and how she found you, Lord. I pray, God, that if anyone is here this morning who doesn't know you, who seem lost, Lord, they don't know where to find you. They may be looking for you, but they do not know where to look for you. I pray, God, that you would call their name, that they would hear you, and Lord, for those of us who have heard you and have taken that step forward of faith and believing in you, Father, I pray that we would take this message of hope out into the world, that we would be your witnesses, Lord, that we would go and make disciples, that we would make you non-ignorable, Lord. We praise you and thank you for who you are and for your word and for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.